Absolute honour to be here all the way from uh, Australia across the, the ditch. Is that how you say it? And um, uh, um, from Melbourne, from Planet Shakers uh, Church. So I send, uh, bring greetings from Pastor Russell Evans, who's my senior pastor. He'd probably say, yeah, very good. Something like that. <laughs> Something along those lines, if you know him. Uh, <laughs> but it's an honour, Pastor Tuck, Pastor Adriana, to be here today at Church Unlimited. And what an awesome church this is. It's quite an incredible church. Powerful church. I've heard a lot about it from my, my good friend, Pastor David Hall, um, who's talked to me a lot about it. He's telling me, he's like, Dan, you've got to come. You've got to go to... No, I'm telling you, seriously. <laughs> Pastor Tuck, Church Unlimited, it's my favourite church. If I, oh, no, no, honestly, if I lived here, If I lived in the, I, I would come to this church. I, I would just be setting up the chairs. I'd do whatever I could. Just was that all right? I've been practicing it a little bit. Some people go, "You sound like him." I, I'm just trying to copy his voice. That's all. But uh, another good friend of mine who you guys know well is uh, Pastor Tim Hall. And uh, since moving to Planet Shakers, I've spent a lot of time with Pastor Tim Hall. And he'd probably come up here and he'd probably maybe limp up here. (laughs) He'd say, now who put these stairs here? Here I come. No, I'm coming, like a gazelle. No? How are you? Good to see you. No, no, I know you. No, you're from Invercargill. No, you're not. You're from Indonesia. Okay, I don't. No, I don't know you. <laughs> He'd make you laugh and then lift your hand. Lift your hands to heaven. The fire of God's on you. Power, fire. Uh, anyway, I could do that all day, but I'm not. I'm here all. No, I'm actually here all day. So come back for more jokes, more voices. No, uh, tonight I'm really believing God's going to move power. Today as well, this morning, this afternoon, wherever. Uh, but tonight as well, when I lay hands on the sick, believe that you'll be healed in Jesus' Name. And that's part of my journey is, and I, I want to tell my story in full a little bit. I've got this message tonight called Redig the Wells. And it was just interesting to hear that mentioned already. But it's basically where everything uh, really took off in uh, my ministry. And I saw the hand of God start to move in power, uh, seeing people's lives being healed, touched, delivered and set free in a new way that I hadn't seen before. So if you're Bring some friends tonight. You want to see them get healed. You want to you want to get healed. You want to get delivered, set free, whatever it is. Come tonight, amen. But today I've got a message for you, and it's called "Speak to the Mountain." Are you ready? You ready for the Word of God? Who loves the Word of God? Speak to the mountain. Well, if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter eleven, John eleven thirty three to forty four. And forgive me if I slip into Pastor Tim Hall from time to time. Therefore, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, He groaned in the Spirit and was troubled. And He said, where have you laid Him? They said to Him, Lord, come see. 
Jesus wept, verse 35. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. I just wanna encourage you young men, if you're trying to learn the Bible, memorise it. That's the shortest verse. If you wanna impress that young lady who's sitting next to you on your Bible wisdom and knowledge. John 11, 35, Jesus wept. You could quote that to her. And as you do, just one tear to roll down the side of your face. <laughs> Women love it when men cry. I don't know what it is, but... Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how He loved Him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaned in Himself, came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead said, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he's been dead four days. Somebody say four days. Four days. I think in the, in the King James, it says he stinketh. Somebody say he stinketh. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you always have heard me. You hear me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who stand by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. That was half volume probably to what Jesus did that day. And he who had died came out bound hand, foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, said to them, loose him and let him go. I don't know about you, but you can't be still sad and read that. You can't live in depression and read those kind of things. There's something about the Word of God, right? That it just brings you out of that place, that sticky situation, that dark hole that you've been in, that miry clay, it pulls you up out of it. Come on, somebody, who loves the Word of God? Something about it, you can't read stories like that and believe that it was real and still live the way you've been living. It's something about it just wakes you up in the morning, gets you ready for life and thinks, I can do anything. I love it. This, this situation, loose him and let him go. So this morning, I wanna give you some keys today on speaking to the mountain. I wanna give you six keys if I can. How to speak to the mountain. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one says here, verse 33. Therefore, when the Jews saw her, it said, when Jesus saw her, sorry, weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Notice here, he doesn't groan in his mind. He doesn't have, he doesn't have bad feelings or thoughts or doesn't groan in his body. It says he's in his spirit. Did you know that you can cause the very spirit of God to groan? The Bible says that you can quench the spirit, that you can stop a, a move of God by your attitudes, by the way you act, by the atmosphere that you create around you. You can quench the Spirit. You can stop up a, a, a move even. Even in Matthew 15, uh, th uh, 57, it says here, so they were offended at Him. But Jesus said to him, prophet is not without honour except for in his own country and his own house. Just because he was a local lad, a local boy, they stopped up what God wanted to do in that area. They changed the atmosphere. Come on, it's time to revive atmospheres. 
So many times we come into even cities or, or nations or buildings or even home and the atmosphere feels weird, right? Yeah. If you ever walked into that situation, you're like, whoa, what's wrong with, what's going on in here? What have I just stepped into? Do you know you have the ability to change the atmosphere? Even over this city, different voices, different uh, things that have been said, different, different atmospheres that have risen up. You know what? You can pray over that atmosphere. You can break that atmosphere today. Amen. But what I find so interesting is that Jesus, Jesus knew about this. He knew about this situation. He knew that Lazarus had died. He, he, he knew that he was sick. He knew that he was dying. But still he waited. He waits. Not one day, not two days, not three days. And now I think in the Jewish uh, uh, culture, three days you were, you were dead, right? But four days you were proper dead. And so he waits four days until Lazarus is proper dead. He's not just dead, he's proper dead. And then he, he finally turns up after he is proper dead. And now, now I don't know your situation, what you're going through, but some of us may be here today thinking, you know what, I, I think God's forgotten about me. I think He's given up on me. You know, I've been believing for a miracle for uh, 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 12 years now, 10 years, five years, maybe months. I'm not sure what it is, but you might be here thinking, you know what, God's forgotten about me. He hasn't turned up in this situation. When will He show up? And I want to encourage you today that a delay doesn't mean a denial. Just because He's delayed His arrival, just because it seems to be like it's not on your terms or your time, doesn't mean you've been denied access to your blessing, to your miracle, to your breakthrough, to your healing. Come on, somebody. Just because it's been delayed doesn't mean it's been denied. He's coming. He's here. He's with you. And I'm telling you, you want to shift atmospheres. You want to you you shift the atmosphere to see a breakthrough. You want miracles to happen. You want mountains to move. It's time to take control over the atmospheres. Our la- lack of faith is what is troubling the heart of God in this situation. Luke 18 verse 8 says, I tell you the truth, that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will He find anyone on earth who has their life all together? doesn't say that. When the Son of Man returns, will He find somebody on earth who has six, seven figures in their bank account? When the Son of Man returns, will He find somebody that's got four bedrooms? (laughs) <laughs> three bathrooms, two car garage, a couple of Mercedes Benz, a couple of jet skis. Maybe this is my vision, dream. I'm trying to manifest it. No. When the Son of Man returns and He's coming again, He's looking for a person. He's looking for a few. If He can gather a few, He's looking for somebody. One person at least that has faith. Come on, this is deeply concerning to me. If Jesus cares this much about this story, about the woman, come on, the persistent widow who pressed in, who pushed hard. If He's got this time to share this parable and put it in the Bible, then I need to pay attention. Reminds me of Ezekiel. He said, I'm looking for a man. 
The eye of God looks over this earth, looking for someone, come on, who will stand up, who will stand in the gap, who will believe again. Believe for signs and wonders. Believe for miracles. Believe, come on, that this, this nation will be saved in Jesus' Name. Who is that person? Who is that one that has faith to believe? Number two, says here in verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come see, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And you know what? I I believe this message has been preached so many times, but I, I do feel like it's been, it's been mistaught a lot that he really did. He teach it from that point of view that he did love him. And it's why he was crying. Yeah, of course, Jesus loves everybody. We know that. But this isn't why he was moved to tears. This isn't why he was so upset. He was upset because they, didn't, they still didn't get it. I mean, if you read your Gospels the whole way through, he's even having a go at the disciples. Why, how long must I bear with you? How long shall I be with you before you understand this, before you get it? But what I find interesting is that on this day, Lazarus dies or this week, let's say, of, of his death and mourning and the four days after. I, I wonder how many people would have died that day. Like, why did he just turn up to Lazarus' tomb? There would have been others that had died, right? There would have been, I'm not sure, the population of the earth at the time, but I'm probably sure there'd be hundreds maybe in the city that passed away, maybe thousands over the the region, maybe hundreds of thousands globally. I'm not sure how many people died on that day, yet Jesus doesn't go to all of their tombs. He only turns up at one. One. Who? Lazarus. Why? Because it says that Jesus and Lazarus were friends. I believe this, your close proximity to Jesus determines the outcome of your miracle today, of your healing today, of your breakthrough, of your provision, of your relationship issue, whatever it is, it's determined by how close you are to Him. The outcome, what do you want it to be today? What sort of outcome do you want it to be? James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. It's not the other way around. So many of us live these lives of, of, of that song, Bette Midler singing over, God is from a distance. Watching over somewhere out there in the stratosphere. Where is He? No, 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 no. You determine the distance. It's not up to God to draw near to you. It's up to you to draw near to Him. If we could open up the hearts of every single person here and take a measurement of how far He is from you today, what would it be? From a distance. Or is He nearby today? I'm telling some of us, I'm gonna preach about this tonight about digging the wells, but there's certain things that you've gotta do. You wanna break through. It doesn't just happen automatically. You gotta do something about it. And, And I know you guys had it bad here during COVID and the rest, but... I'm sorry, we had it worse. <laughs> I live in Melbourne from Planet Shakers Church and we just moved there from the country. So the country was free. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we just moved there and then got thrown into lockdown. 275 days of lockdown. And I just stepped out. I was in full-time ministry and I was pastoring a church and I decided to leave all that. 
no income, no salary, and go full-time evangelist, travelling around and do it just hearing from God, doing what God said. And, and I do that right at this time. Thank you, Jesus. So here I am, no, no income, lockdown, uh, 270, I think my life is over. You know, one of my outlets is the gym and I built a gym in my garage and like an idiot, I'm in my garage doing squats like, and in between each squat, I'm crying. <laughs> God, what have you done? What have I, what's my life? <laughs> I'm no good. And, and the last one was the worst, 75 days just, just straight. And, and, and I have this moment where I felt like I was Elijah coming out of the cave. And so I had this moment where I opened the roller door, like this, and I walked out. I said, I'm coming out, like really loud. Now I understand 2023, that sounds a little different than what it would have done back in 2020. But I shout, the, the, the reason probably the neighbour in her pyjamas at 3, uh, 3 p.m. in the afternoon looked at me and was like, what's wrong with this guy? I had this moment where I, I, I knew I had to shift something. And so I, what I'd done before, it started about 2012, I had this revelation of communion and, uh, and would take it every day, take communion every day, so much so that we'd have it with every meal with my family. And they would beg me, my kids would beg me, Dad, are we having the blood tonight? Are we having all these sorts of things? And uh, so I was reminded by that. And I, I, God spoke to me, He said, I want you to do something. I want you to re, come on, start digging these wells again. And my mum worked at this food delivering place. They could, because the only things you could do at the time was give away food. And um, I knew that she had potato sacks. So I call her. And when I talk to my mum, it's kind of still like when I'm a teenager, I feel like a teenager again every time I talk to her. Call my mum, I said, hey mum, I need some, some of those potato sacks you got. And she's like, well, what do you need them for? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just need them. She's like, no, 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 you can, you can have them. You can have them, you just gotta tell me what they're for. And I'm like, oh. Um, I don't know, I just, just, no, I, you can have them, Daniel. It's fine. You just, I've just got to tell the guys what they're for. I've got to tell. I'm like, don't tell, don't tell the guys. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. <laughs> just, just, just get, just, just let me know. And I, and I said, Mum, for for praying. And and she goes, oh, What? What do you want? Oh. Now, I'm no tailor. I'm no seamstress. Mum gives me these two sackcloths. And I had to, I fashioned a neck hole and some s- sleeves, looked terrible. And I put it on. Went out in the backyard, it's not a very big backyard, it's just a small little block, and lit a fire and covered myself in ash and had communion every day. And I'd sit there and cry out. God would open up the church again because the church was shut all across Victoria. I started doing this thing called, a, I don't know, a drink offering. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I just felt just to tip it out and say, wherever your blood touches, Lord, let it touch this ground, touch this earth. Come on, I want to see a blood-washed Australia. I want to see a blood-washed New Zealand. I want to see a blood-washed, come on, the islands, the Pacific Islands. I want to see a blood-washed globe again. Lord, open it up. And I start pouring it out and I'm, I'm sitting in the backyard and my son, Zachariah, 
nine years old. He walks out and he sees me in the backyard and he kind of stops, looks around and he does like a moonwalk back. I don't know what he was doing. He was doing something like that. And, and it, he goes, Mum, why is dad wearing a kangaroo? I said, son, it's not a kangaroo. Now, being a dad and being a you know, fourth generation pastor, whatever, everything becomes a sermon. And so I, I, I start shouting at him, it's not a kangaroo. I said, it's a sackcloth. And I'm wearing it so you don't have to. And he goes, what? And you know, he's a kid, he doesn't get it. But I'm, I start preaching to him. I'm wearing this because, so one day when you go to fight the battle, it's been loosened. It's been shifted. There's cracks in it. When you face the giant, I've already faced it. It's gonna be easier for you. I'm facing this, so one day you don't have to. See, what we don't understand is what walks in parents runs in children. And what you don't face and fight for today, your children will face and fight tomorrow. That's why so many of us down the generations are waking up with all these issues going, what's wrong with me? I, I don't know. No, it's not your fault. It was just passed down, passed down, passed down. If you don't decide to deal with it today, if you don't decide to speak to the mountain right now and deal with that issue, it's just gonna get passed down and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's time to say, draw a line in the sand and say, it stops here. That issue of violence, that issue of anger, that issue in my life, it stops right now with me. Depression, anxiety, it is finished. What's it gonna take? Number three, it said, some of them said, could not this man who opened up the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? There's always gonna be critics. And then Jesus, again groans in Himself, uh, came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for He's been dead four days. He stinketh. Isn't it interesting that so many people walk around this world today not knowing that they carry a stench? Even in the natural, it's quite funny, amusing. I take my kids to Planet Boom. It's the youth ministry of Planet Shakers. And I drop them off there and, and they have a mosh pit. They don't call it a mosh pit anymore. They just call it a mosh. But there is a stench. And if you've ever been in youth ministry, you will remember that stench. And as soon as you go into that place and you take one, you go, that's why I left. I remember now. I'm not called to youth ministry anymore. But it amazes me that, that so many people, even spiritually, walking around today spiritually, not knowing that they have an odour. Second wow. wow. Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. You carry an odour. Which one is it? Come on, is it, is it doubt? Is it cynicism? Is it a critic? They carried an odour and it changed the atmosphere. That's why Jesus says in so many circumstances, get out of the room. Move, I need people that carry a certain fragrance. The fragrance of Christ. Psalm 141 says, your prayers are like incense. What's that, a fragrance? Carry a fragrance. Come on, what's your fragrance today? What do you smell like today? When was, I saw someone up the back. Just, no, 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 I mean, what, what's your spirit? What's your spirit smell like? Amen. 
Number four, verse 40, it says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And Martha, bless her, she gives an answer that we'd all give. It's not theologically wrong, her answer. Her answer is the same as probably most of us would give today. Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that we will be resurrected. We will be seated heavenly places, that we will rise again. We'll live in heaven forever for eternity. Yes, I believe. Nothing wrong with that answer. But it wasn't the answer Jesus was looking for. And this is the problem I believe so many of us have today, even in church right now. We've got faith for the past. Yes, we believe that we were saved, that Jesus Christ saved us. We gave our hearts to Him to follow Him. He cleansed us of our sin. On the third day, He rose from the grave and I'm free from that sin. Yes, I have faith for that, I believe. We also have faith for the future. I believe that one day I will be seated in heavenly places. I'll become one of the great cloud of witnesses. Uh, I'll be in heaven for eternity. Yes, I believe. I have faith for the past, faith for the future, but no faith for the present. And we live in this limbo of one day, Lord, please come. If you just, uh, would you just hurry up and come? Uh, when's the rapture? How many earthquakes we have to have uh, before you come back again? Lord, when will you return? And we live in this limbo. I've got faith for that moment. Got faith for that moment. But right now, I don't know. Can you break through today? Do you still heal? I'm not sure anymore. I've been through so much pain. I don't know if you can. You know what the Bible says? Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't change a shifting shadow. He doesn't move. He doesn't play guessing games with you. He's the same Jesus. He still heals the sick. He still raises the dead. He still cleanses the leper. And all you've got to do is believe again. Start to believe again. Hallelujah. Number five, how we doing? Verse 43, it says, Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know what? You've got to shout. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You, you want to get something done. You want to shift a mountain. You want to move mountains. You've got to shout. I was praying at this church and, uh, and praying along the altar call and this lady stopped me and she said, excuse me, sir, can you please not shout over me? I said, why? She goes, I've heard you going along, along the line and shouting at people. I don't want you to shout at me. I said, why not? She goes, it, it, it offends me. I said, it offends the devil. You want something to move? You're gonna have to open up your mouth. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. No say so, no redemption. He is the high priest of our confession, your confession. What you say matters. And this situation is quite interesting because I don't know if you can imagine being there in this scenario and hearing Jesus shout, you must have been thinking, what on earth is He doing? What's He shouting to an empty tomb? The guy's been dead four days. You gotta understand something about Jesus and what He knew. His words carry power. Do you know your words carry power? He wasn't shouting to an empty tomb. He was simply shouting into the atmosphere. 
His very words were transcending dimensions, piercing the very atmosphere, going into a place called Abram's bosom, otherwise known as paradise and calling the very soul of Lazarus up out of that grave into his earthly body, giving him life on earth again. That's the power of your words. You gotta understand something. When you mix those words with faith, nothing's impossible. Mark eleven twenty two says this. So Jesus answered him and said, have faith in God. We could stop there and preach a whole message on that. Have faith in God. We've, had, we've got faith in so many other things. What a novel idea. Have faith in God. We've got faith in everything else today. We've got faith in voices, faith in governments, faith in leaders, faith in uh, 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 the news. I heard a cricket up the back. <laughs> We've got faith in the lotto. We've got more faith in the lottery than we do in the tithes and offerings. We've got more faith in Chemist Warehouse than Jehovah Rapha. I mean, their prices are unbeatable. They, no, no, they do. They have, they've got the wholesale bulk buying power. You just can't compete with that. They've got Zyrtec at the moment. It's on special, $29.95 for a 70 pack. I mean, where can you get those sorts of deals? Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he has done, he will have whatever he says. Turn to your name and say, you'll have whatever you say. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you've received them and you will have them. Isn't it interesting? Jesus highlights two different variables of declaration, what you say and what you pray. Oftentimes what we say and what we pray are two different things. You have whatever you say, but when you pray and believe, you know, you believe in your heart and those things will happen, right? Say and pray. Isn't it interesting when we come to the prayer meeting, we're like, oh Lord, thank you for New Zealand. I love this country. I just can't wait to just raise my children here. I just love it. I love it. I love it so much. I want to see a revival. I'm believing for this, this and this and this. Oh, the weather here, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's sunshine all the time. And, and, and I, I just can't get enough of it. And we walk out of here and go, <laughs> Auckland, you know? And we get upset. We start saying certain things. Oh, it's always raining here. I just want to move to Queensland. Nobody does. Hawaii. Nothing's ever good enough. And especially this time of year, it's so cold and you know how my back gets. I know. It does. It gets bad because you're always saying it. And then when spring comes and those winds and oh, it's horrible and the pollen and I get so blocked up and I can barely get out of bed in the morning. And my nose is running and I can Everyone thinks I've got COVID, but I tell no, Tafi. I know, you talk about it all the time. You have whatever you say. And my kids and my spouse and my, and my family life, and it's all going down the toilet. I know, you keep talking about it. You will have whatever you say. Proverbs 18, 
21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. It matters what you say. Some of us, we need to stop worrying about, I'm under attack. Pastor, I'm just under attack all the time. The devil's at my house. No, 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 listen. (laughs) There's only one devil. God's the one that's omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. He's the one that's everywhere all the time at once. There's only one devil. He's not always at your place. In fact, some of us are giving the devil a day off by all the disease, all the destruction, all the death that we declare over our lives. There's a need to turn up. He's there right now. He's chilling. He's in Queensland at the moment. With his laid back on the beach. He, he doesn't need to come. You do enough with your own mouth. Let me tell you something about the devil. You've got to understand something. I'm not giving him credit. I'm not, I'm not trying to glorify it. You've been created in God's image. So your face, you remind him. You remind Satan every day you wake up, you look in the mirror, you look like God, all right? And the other thing about you is you're different. You've got a voice. Right, and, and as we know, the, the voice, it wasn't just created for communication because animals communicate. Even coral communicates with each other. It's not just built for communication. It's, it's actually, it's built for conversation with your Father, with your Heavenly Father. But we notice here in the very beginning, what does God say? Let there be light. His voice wasn't just for communicating and conversation. It was for creation. You're being designed the same way. And the devil knows this. He can't create anything. He's a copier. He copies. But he knows something about you. You're a person of faith. And if he can just get you to say it, he knows you'll create it. It's time to be aware. You want to move mountains. It's time to speak back to the mountain. It's time to speak to the mountain. Say unto this mountain, be thy removed and be cast into the sea. And do not doubt in your heart, but believe. Speak to the mountain. Don't marry the mountain. Some of us have married the mountain. You like that one? That was good. I thought it was good too. No, we have. Our favourite song is She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain when she comes. And we've gone on honeymoon. We've got married. We've got honeymoon. We've got little baby mountains. We're raising them up. I mean, it's even amazing that I'm here today in church because of my mountain. I can't go anywhere without it. It needs a special this, a special that, special everything. It needs, I need to look after my mountain. We've glorified the mountain. We start fearing the mountain. I'm afraid of my mountain. And we, whatever you fear, you serve. Whatever you fear, you exalt, you crown. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. So there's nothing on earth, no demon in hell that's worthy of fear but God alone. Because what you fear, you serve. I'm afraid. What if it, I spoke to it once before and, and, and it got worse? It's time to speak to the mountain. It's time to shout at the mountain. It's time to believe by faith and it will go. Amen. And finally, if the band could come, that's awesome. Uh, uh, verse 44. It says, And he who died came out bound, 
hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. I, I really believe this. When you wanna move your mountain, it's time to take off those grave clothes. Some of us have been walking around too long with grave clothes on. We've been healed, but we're still hurt. <laughs> we still carry the past with us wherever we go. And I don't know if you can just imagine for a moment this situation. We've seen the tomb. We've heard Jesus shouting into the atmosphere and being like, what is going on? Imagine being there in that situation. If I was there, I'd probably be having a picnic with my family, get the rug out and just opening up some things and some meat and things and sharing. And then all of a sudden you hear in the distance, Lazarus, come forth. You know, it's a nice day. You're thinking, what is going on? And all of a sudden in the background, you hear thriller music. And then all of a sudden. Can you imagine? This guy just walking out like this, going, and there's like literally the music's playing. There's two guys in the background going, like they're doing, I don't know, they're doing something. Something's going on. I'd be thinking, what's going on? No wonder he shouts, get the grave clothes off. He's scaring the kids. Children are frightened. This is really happening. I, I, sometimes I think we skip over these parts and just think, you know, oh yeah, 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 he just came walking out and he's shouting, get the grave clothes off. It reminds me of this picture though in Zechariah 3. And, and, and it's Zechariah and he's having this prophetic vision of Joshua the high priest standing before the Lord and, and the accuser, Satan's there accusing him. And he says to him, take off the filthy garments. Take off the filthy garments. Put on, it says, white, clean, royal. It says, rich robes. Come on, I don't know about you, but love some rich robes. Clothe Him in rich royal garments. Take off the filthy rags. Come on, it's time we took off the filthy rags. So many of us, we keep living in the past. We've bought a, we've bought a kayak. We keep travelling out to the sea of forgetfulness every day. We paddle out there. We've got an anchor rope tied to our past and our sin. We pull it up and we check, oh yeah, it still stinks. Oh, it's still gross. Yep, it's filthy. Yep, and we drop it. We let it drop again for another day or two or a week or a month and then we go out again. And we keep paddling out there just to check it again. Oh yeah, no, it's still rotten. And we chuck it again. It says, take off. It's time for you to take off, to remove that hurt, that pain. No one else can do this for you. Take off the garments. It says, put on a fresh turban. And I love this part because Zechariah actually interjects into the vision, which is incredible to me. Hey, you can speak into your will, into God's plan for your life. And also put a fresh turban on his head, he says. What does that speak of? A transformation, a renewal of your mind. It's not just a cool hat, it's, it's a transformation by the renewal of your mind. Some of us, we, we've taken off the clothes, but our minds are still held in the past. And today, I believe we're gonna shift some mountains. We're gonna move some mountains. When we stand to our feet all across this place,